we'd like to welcome you back to part two of our mega study, our fourth mega study on the alien agenda exposed for <clears throat> the first uh, January 29th, 2017. And we're going to continue here with where we left off. And the I, I posted a couple links here. And one of them, because we've been talking about Alien Covenant, the movie, and Prometheus, um, I did a keyword search for Prometheus on contendingfortruth.com. And um, I give you the link to this, the studies. If you click on this link, the studies that came up where I talked at length about Prometheus will come up. And then also, this particular study, which I did actually all the way back in 2007, it's called The Ancient Astronaut Lie, The Shocking Origin of Intelligent Design Theory. Now, intelligent design was, particularly at the time, one of the ways they were trying to integrate this into the church, equating some type of intelligent design with creationism. Okay, where it's actually a gigantic trap. So again, this is very important for Satan to do. <clears throat> I'm just going to read you the, the description of this, this study. <clears throat> this is a special study I felt convicted to do after viewing a 27-minute internet video put out by the Raelian cult. Now, they're a literal, you know, literal cult, okay? This video does one of the most thorough jobs of condensing most of the coming New World order new age agenda lies that i have ever witnessed most of these lies seem to be so appealing to the unsaved for the same reason eve was seduced by the serpent in the garden of eden because they promise ye shall be as gods which is really yeah one of the main carrots of this coming new world order this new age it's, it's one of the main carrots of what these supposed aliens are telling these abductees to go tell humanity or whatever they're getting in their channeling or what the science is telling us that we're going to ultimately if we give in to all of this GMO engineering and, and, and we let our, our DNA be changed and, and, and we get the neural implants and we get our consciousness uploaded into a mainframe or where, wherever it ends up leading, that ye shall be as gods. So it's the same lie as in the Garden of Eden. If anyone buys into this, then all accountability to a holy God goes out the window and they feel they can live any way they want which is what Darwinism allows you to do. Because, hey, if we evolve from a rock, what does it matter? Okay. <clears throat> Satan is still the most subtle beast of the field. And he has not changed his tactics, as you will see when you listen to this audio. In this teaching, I will be playing the sound from the video and stopping to comment along the way uh, so I can ultimately present a full rebuttal to this most egregious heresy. This ancient astronaut theory, which is also known as panspermia, is going to be unfortunately take many people to hell as it's going to be one of the cornerstones of the grand deception the antichrist will perpetuate and i was already cluing into this you know back in 2007 and now here we are 10 years later and it's just evolved and evolved in, into what it is now which is much more advanced <clears throat> now um, I already covered the information that's listed next in the PDF, which was the gap theory stuff. Okay. Um, in fact, I need to move this back because you're going to get confused on the audio if I don't. So let me move this back real quick and I'll be back in a second. <clears throat> okay. So I, I moved everything back on the PDF so everything will make sense if you were, if you're trying to follow along with this study. Okay. So now what is the next report? It's, it's entitled why are world leaders visiting Antarctica? Now, this is happening. This isn't something that's 
up for speculation. This is something they've announced in mainstream media, and it's been several people that have went down there. Um, in the last few months, the world's political and religious leaders have been making trips to the continent at the bottom of the world. Um, Antarctica. Okay, author of Empire Beneath the Ice, which is a gigantic book that St Steve Quayle wrote on this, uh, says that people should take notice. Quayle explains what really is going on down there. Here's the billion-dollar question and probably a trillion-dollar question. Why are the world's religious leaders and the most powerful leaders going to Antarctica? I don't think the Russian patriarch, Kirill, who's one of the guys that went down there originally or recently, is going down there to meet penguins. Someone or something has summoned the world's leaders. Quayle also says most of the people don't understand and that this is critical. The United States in 1947 sent a war flotilla to the Antarctic under Admiral Byrd and this was called Operation High Jump. I mean, this, this was a historical fact here. Okay, It was to seek out and destroy the hidden Nazi bases that intelligence agencies provided them um, the documentation for. In other words, the Nazis, what they did after World War II and they say this is where Hitler ended up, or, or at least he maybe eventually got down there. He might have went to Argentina first. I, and from the evidence I've seen, that's where he went first. And then eventually he made his way down there. Um, that the Nazi hierarchy, the ones that did escape, and most of this was via U-boats, um, which would be, you know, the, a stealth way to escape, they went and set up shop down in Antarctica, Okay. They were already working with a lot of these, and they've openly admitted that a lot of the technology they were getting, particularly near the end of the war, which could have actually turned the tide where they could have won, but it was too little too late, they were getting from basically fallen angels. They were getting from these demonic entities. A lot of times they say they interacted with reptilians, and that's where they were getting a lot of these advanced war machines that our government did uncover after the war. I mean, they, they've got these. I mean, they, they've got, like, models of, like, UFOs and things like this that they were trying to implement, but it was just too little too late. Um, thank God, you know, in, in God's providence and benevolence, thank God that, that that happened. But that's a historical fact. And this is why, through Project Paperclip, the United States said, whoa, we got it. We got to get their, their top Nazi scientists and, and their main guys that were working on this stuff. We're going to bring them over here. And this is what Project Paperclip was all about. Bringing their Nazi scientists and their, their greatest brain trust over to America. It didn't just go to America, it went elsewhere too. But we got a lot of the, the scientists from that. Um, <clears throat> okay, let's go further here. O Operation High Jump was to seek out and destroy hidden Nazi bases that intelligence agencies provided them documentation for. It wasn't a small thing either. There were 13 ships and 4,700 men and state-of-the-art U.S. weaponry. The bad news is we got our rear ends kicked. Russians were spying on us, and they had a video of our aircraft encountering flying saucers. Fast forward to come back, and, I mean, they came back with their tail between their legs, and Bird said, whatever's down there, we can't beat it. Okay? Uh, fast forward to today, and Quail contends the black physics is beyond the Ph.D. level, and we are seeing this with CERN. Um, what is so critical for people to understand is as, in other words, CERN and a lot of, uh, and, and a ton of the, really all of the advanced technologies that we're seeing today, where did we end up getting them from? We, we ended up getting them from these fallen angels that we made deals with. And that was what the Grenado Treaty was about that I've mentioned so many times, where our government entered into league with these 
basically fallen angels that portrayed themselves as aliens and said, hey, listen, um, we'll give you technology. This is what was in exchange. As long as you allow us to experiment on your population to a certain extent. This is when all the abductions started in America. Two to three to four percent of the population has been abducted. If you take internal polls. And yet there's no news about it at all. That's millions of people and they're re-abducted. And we're going to be talking a lot about that later. Okay, because there's definitely an agenda behind that. And that's been going on ever since we entered into the Grenada Treaty. It's almost like if you have a vampire come to your front door, you have to give them permission to come in. Well, our government basically gave them permission to experiment on our populace. Now, again, you go to CE4 Research and you'll find out that they have hundreds of abduction cases that were stopped dead cold in their tracks every time when the people cried out to Jesus. It's like throwing battery acid on these things when they come to get you. I've seen it myself in sleep paralysis, and I've told you, that if you don't know about that, just key in supernatural on, in the keyword search at contendingfortruth.com, and you'll see my supernatural experiences. That's my a lot of my testimonies about supernatural things that happen to me, and, that, and that's it's a little dated, but um, that's a lot of the stuff that's happened to me. And I know that works. I, I, I know. Calling out. What that does is it really builds your faith up when you see it in action. You know, you see the angel of death at the foot of your bed and, you know, demonic creatures coming at you and you cry out Jesus and it all goes away. Well, that's a real tremendous faith builder. And I've seen it with my own eyes. So um, anyway, let's go further here. What is so critical for people to understand as more activity takes place at CERN the occult rituals associated with it are so in your face you can't dismiss this stuff anymore as being a rantings of this fringe or that fringe. There's all kind of wicked stuff that, that's going on there. That All these ceremonies they've had at CERN or around it, the dedication of the tunnels around there, that one tunnel that they had that unbelievably sick, disgusting, like, occult ceremony to, like, that opening of that tunnel over there. I mean, just really sick, evil stuff going on. Something is happening, and the Antarctic is critical. It's my contention that because of, the, of this advanced technology of the Third Reich, that they went under the ice, so to speak, and they came in contact with beings. Now remember, they went under the ice. Okay? Remember that theme, because we're going to talk about this more here, coming up. But that's where the Nazis found this advanced technology. This is just all coming together and just blowing my mind. I haven't even read Steve Quill's book on this. I kind of wanted to, but I haven't had time. But this teaching is so important that I'm doing and so timely and so, like, so many things coming together at once that are going to cross-confirm that I'm not even almost realizing it until, until I'm actually going through it in totality like we're doing right now. I'm just really excited about it. Anyway, the Third Reich... At the time, back in the 40s, after they lost the war, went under the ice, so to speak, and came in contact with beings. Now, if they were working with these, these evil demonic beings to get a lot of the advanced technology and a lot of the things that they did during the Nazi war, don't you think that when they were losing the war, those beings said, hey, listen, there's a safe haven for you. You could still keep working with us. Bring your hierarchy down to Antarctica and we'll, we'll guide you and we'll use you. 
you know, to, to accomplish this mission or this goal. Even though you've lost this war, your time will come. Is essentially, I believe, what they were promised. In a nutshell, at least. They came in contact with these beings, sentient beings that Werner von Braun and others, famous Nazi, and others have made reference to many times before they passed away. So this is of their own testimony they said this stuff. What would it benefit them maybe on their deathbed to reveal this stuff if there was no truth to it? You know, if you're going to open up about something, you're going to typically do it, you know, before you pass away. So all of this is a matter of record. Now, I believe he documents this in the book Empire Beneath the Ice. It's a little pricey, um, but it's, you know, a pretty big book. I don't know. I haven't read it, but he is probably the only one that's ever and i'm not making some blanket endorsement of steve quayle i'm just saying that that this book seems to target this very subject he just released it like in the last year or so so it's very very timely and if you want to know more about the subject i would probably say i would probably direct you there to that book um but man there's a lot of a lot of stuff breaking on this stuff about antarctica right now it's just unreal um when you put it when you put all the records together it points to this there is some entity or group of entities that are thinking and have advanced technology and basically give orders to the religious and political leaders of our day religious leaders too remember it's very very important for them to control us from a religious standpoint the history of the world is not what it is it is what the powers that be pretend it to be in other words, it's what the narrative they've told us. For the record, all the world's leaders never believe that Hitler died in the bunker. Stalin didn't believe it. A lot, a, a, the war leaders didn't believe that. That was just a narrative for the history books to make us feel all warm and fuzzy like Hitler died. Okay, so continuing. Now, here is a comment. And, and if you look at my studies, you look at the PDFs of my studies, when you see a comment in green, it's kind of like, me talking to you it's when it's in green it's like a comment i'm making to my listeners and my comment this is a recent exchange regarding some of what is going on down at the south pole i i i, I saw this recent exchange of information that is going to highly confirm what we're going to be looking at here um one person said did this in antarctica discovery get facilitated by ice cap melting a lot by the ice caps melting allowing new areas to be accessed then coupled with digging or was it just the result of excavation okay these in other words what's going on down there right now they're discovering all of these ancient ruins and cities and artifacts and bodies okay this is happening right now the answer, there was some melting, but mostly years and years of excavating, trying to find this, basically. They used what they call steam blowers. I'm going to show you pictures of these later, or depictions of them. But due to most of their exca excavation of artifacts and to create new areas when they need to build, I was told. Um, okay, so they use steam blowers to do most of their excavation of artifacts and to create new areas where they need to build. Question. They must have hit the mother load recently if it took them years to get there. Answer, yes, the mother load. Many square miles of new ruins. Now, this is all confirming what I'm seeing here, what, what the information I'm getting back from multiple sources now. This isn't just one source. 
than the next uh, thing. That makes sense about the steam blowers. Meaning you'd use these big steam blowers that are blowing out steam to melt ice at a massive rate. We're talking about a Manhattan sized area of buildings and working technological artifacts in there and the person respond the other person responds many square miles of ruins have been detected with only a small percentage that has actually been excavated thus far next exchange so it's not like the ruins were protected in some sort of dome under the ice and left undamaged they're all trashed up i assume but there are still things in there that can be pulled out are there any buildings in fairly undamaged condition answer they were all flattened crushed or knocked down by the event now this is important this is what what i'm going to be getting into here by the event because we're going to see this reoccurring theme about this all the buildings were crushed flattened or knocked down by the event that flash froze the area they have tons of trees plants and wildlife frozen in place like they're literally standing there like the woolly mammoth we're going to be looking at in one spot like it was flash frozen in place like they were put on pause like not animal pause but p-a-u-s like if you hit the pause button they are also finding many pre-atomite bodies oh i wonder why they use the term pre-atomite why would a bunch of new agers use the term pre-atomite if they don't even believe in the bible think about that well it's all about to destroy the narrative of the bible it's all about promoting the gap theory it's all about and we're going to look at this pre-atomite subject in a second i'm not going to do a complete teaching on it but i'm going to give you the ammo to look at it the pre-atomite theory is highly tied in with the gap theory it's why it's so stinking dangerous okay because the new agers these aren't christians that are having this exchange the new agers are the ones actually using these terms as well so they're finding trees plants wildlife frozen in place at the south pole like they were put on pause they're also finding many pre-adamite bodies next response interesting i expected that everything would have been thoroughly smashed unless there was some very unique conditions there will be a whole lot of giant animals oh giant animals sloths mastodons toxodons turtles and what so on the biosphere was very different then yeah it was right before the flood what was the pre-flood environment like well ken hoven's done one of the best exposés on that we're going to be listening to a uh, um a teaching on that but he's not even going to get into that in this but you can find out pre-flood environment ken hoven just key that into the search box but essentially what you had um, i'll go ahead and get into this now essentially and i'm trying to try to do this in a nutshell what essentially that you had in the pre-flood environment was an environment where we had double the oxygen you had double the atmospheric pressure as well okay and you also had what was what was the why did we have that because we had essentially an ice canopy over 
I don't even know how high up in the air it was. It was, a, it was it encircled the planet, okay? It was part of what broke up when the flood happened. And it manifested in the form of rain, okay? It's the first time they probably ever saw rain is in that particular environment. Um, the ice canopy broke up. The, the um, fountains of the deep also broke up, okay? The Bible talks about that. And what you end up getting, and the reason I don't want to play the Ken Hovind thing on that is probably it's a very, very long explanation because he's going to go way into it. I'm trying to simplify it for you in a nutshell. When they have found amber from the, from the pre-flood, amber is one of these things they'll find in a lot of the fossils, okay? What they will do is they will actually drill into the amber, and at the moment where the actual drill impacts the air bubbles in the amber they can analyze what the air was like and the atmospheric pressure was like in that pre-flood environment and consistently they will find that the atmospheric oxygen was double and that the atmospheric pressure was double okay plus if you had an ice canopy over the head that was filtering out all the uv all the harmful uv rays what you would end up having is is an area where you had very, very little radiation actually hitting humanity and the animals. So what would happen? They would live a lot longer because they would have a lot less free radical production. UV radiation, although it's beneficial, will end up giving you a very, very, uh, it'll end up producing free radicals in the body. It's one of the reasons we age, okay, is the radiation that's hitting us from the sun. But if you had a filter for that, you would you would live a lot longer. You know what also would make you live a lot longer? If you were breathing double the amount of oxygen that we have right now, which is what the pre-flood environment was like. You know what also make you live a lot longer? If you had double the atmospheric pressure. They have done studies, and Ken Hovind gets into this, where they will take like snakes and stuff, and they will bring them up in like a hyperbaric chamber. Okay, which is which is basically they'll use that uh, to uh, if you have a diving accident, they'll use that to save people's lives in a diving accident. The, if, if they were doing what they should, they would be putting people that were in spinal cord injuries. They found that people that have spinal cord injuries that would normally be, they'd be a quadriplegic if they get them in there quick enough and keep them in there, their, their actual spinal cord can repair. Okay, in that environment where you have double the atmospheric pressure and double the oxygen content, the, 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 the oxygen will actually go right through the skin and start to heal the area okay this is the environment pre-flood that they found themselves in that's why the people were so much bigger then that's another thing ken hoven gets into in depth how much larger like noah and his sons and these these were big dudes okay now if they were would be considered giants in our day you can't even imagine how big the fallen angels when they procreated with women, how big their offspring would have been. I've heard accounts of 50 to 100 feet or whatever, even higher. So, this is something you have to bear in mind. How did you have people like Methuselah living into the 900 range? Well, easy. Double the atmospheric pressure, double the oxygen content in the air, and then take remove all the UV harmful UV radiation out of the out of the atmosphere. Remember, when God created the Garden of Eden, okay, it was a perfect environment. Yeah, he drove Adam and Eve out of the garden, but that doesn't mean that he took away granted sin entered into the world and yes, they would eventually die, but that doesn't mean he took away this perfect type of environment 
that that would where a human being and other animals would thrive and survive and live long this is why dinosaurs got so big number one reptilians don't ever stop growing okay a dinosaur would be under the reptilian thing you could have a brontosaurus or whatever triceratops or, or a t-rex or whatever and they're just gigantic they keep growing and they live way 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 longer and guess what? Their lungs don't have to work near as hard. Why? Because when you have double the atmospheric pressure and double the oxygen, well then that oxygen just flows into the lungs really quickly. When you had uh, post-flood, that canopy was broken. Okay, it was gone. What that did, the canopy allowed the double, uh, the doubling of the of the barometric pressure of the atmospheric pressure. It was like we were in this sealed dome essentially okay that was where we got the pressure from the uh the oxygen content when when that thing broke up then everything kind of dispersed the atmospheric pressure that we normally had that was double was now halved and then the oxygen that would have normally been encased in the actual canopy was also dispersed there was not i mean it could, it could rise up a lot further you had plants that grew bigger you had animals that grew bigger you had dinosaurs back then that could grow bigger and guess what after the flood those a lot of those same dinosaurs could not live anymore because they did not have the lung capacity and guess what after the flood isn't it kind of weird that's when you see the lifespan start dropping off precipitously you look at the average lifespan pre and post flood in the bible what was the delineation it was the flood they started living way 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 less after the flood and it was it wasn't just like they went down to 70 years it was a little bit of a you know a line there like a like a a slope down but that's when it all happened so what else could explain it i'm trying to 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 give you um some background here because if you believe the narrative, the scientific community, and the whole this whole lies that we're going to see give you, it's going to shake your faith. I don't want your shake your your faith to be shaken. Okay, let's go further here. Um. So the last comment they made was there will be a whole lot of giant animals, sloths, mastodons, toxidons, turtles, and so on. The biosphere was very different then. Yeah, I just explained to you why the biosphere was different. Okay, why they why humans could live to be into the 900 range why they were very much bigger okay why animals were bigger why the plants were bigger and why things were so different post flood totally different world post flood the response yes that's absolutely true they were already pulling out a variety of bodies of flash frozen prehistoric animals okay so let's go further here okay now you might have questions in your head let's let's go into this first okay comment this is a very important biblical concept to understand with the deception that's coming now remember i'm only going to be playing here um a short portion of this it's called the hoven theory frozen mammoths i remembered this from when i'd watched a lot of his teachings before Okay, and I looked it up on the internet and I found it. And this is one of the, I'm telling you, 
He's one of the only guys that have ever explained this. And I didn't realize how important it was to understand this concept until I see all of the lies that are, are being thrust down our throat with the, all the discoveries that are going on in Antarctica right now. How, why this is so important. God led me to this so I could give it to you. Okay. Um, the mammoths, among many other animals, froze to death because of the great flood that happened. Okay, now, let's go ahead and play this. And um, the conclusions of... Well, hold on. Let, let, let's just play this first here. This, this map shows the North Pole, kind of from a strange view. It shows Greenland down at the bottom uh, lower right. So he's showing a map now. I don't know if it's an ancient map or, or whatever, but it's, it's Ken Hovind talking... And um, this is on the subject that we're talking about here. And uh, Russia to the upper left. But it shows what the North Sea would look like without the water in it. There's an island up there, up at uh, 10 o'clock on your map, called the New Siberian Islands. There on those, new, on those New Siberian Islands, they find frozen bobcat, frozen camels, frozen bison, frozen mammoths. What's a camel doing up near the North Pole? And some of these camels are 15 feet tall. I mean, Okay, now this would be for the South Pole as well. What are they doing finding camels? An animal that would normally, you would never ever see at the North Pole. What are they, what are they finding them flash frozen up at the North Pole and at the South Pole? Woolly mammoths at the South Pole or the North Pole with fresh green food still in their stomach like they were flash frozen. This is what they're finding in Ant Antarctica basically right now. Okay, but they're not giving the, they're they're not giving this as a reason as to why they're finding. They're giving some whatever convoluted new age ancient astronaut theory as to why it's happening. What he's getting into, what Dr. Hoven's getting into is is the um Ken Hoven, I don't I don't know if he's a doctor, but he's going to give you the actual biblical reason. Really big camel. What happened? How do you freeze animals up near the North Pole? And why were they there? Well, I think before the flood came, the world probably had very, very small ice caps, if any, because it wasn't tilted as much as it is today. If the Earth were not tilted quite so much, we'd have almost, you know, springtime all the time. There still would be probably small polar ice caps just because of the angle of the sun. It'd probably be colder weather at the north and warmer at the equator, but nothing like... Now, here's another reason that I think he gets into in other videos. If there was a canopy around the whole Earth... The energy from the sun that was hitting the canopy that would ultimately warm the earth would be more dispersed. Okay, so you wouldn't have these extremes like you get at the equator now of where it's just brutally hot and the North Pole where it's just brutally cold. The sun would be hitting this, this basically this canopy above the earth and dispersing this, this heat, okay? Or, or, or like, a, like a diffuser kind of. It's diffusing things. It's not letting, you know, this energy get there in such an extreme form in one area to another. It would create an, uh, an environment that was much more moderate worldwide, okay? And, and that, that's one of the reasons where, why you could have giraffes and woolly mammoths at the, at, near the North Pole because you're not going to really have those extremes in temperatures. It is today. 
when they drill down through the ice, sometimes they find strange things. Like in Antarctica, they drill down, which is at the bottom of the world here. Oh, we call it the bottom. Of course, you can't tell when you're standing there, but at the south end of the world, they drill down through the ice and hit coal. There's enormous evidence of huge forests in Antarctica where there's not one tree growing today. There's not a blade of grass growing down there. Admiral Byrd said... But there was at one time, because they're having all these, they're finding gigantic deposits of coal, which is a byproduct of, of decayed organic matter. T trees and plants and things of this nature. So there was at one time. And, and this is Ant Antarctica, which is where we're focusing on today. So we're, we're saying that at one time, there it was a very... A very, very, very different environment down there in the North Pole where you would have animals that you would normally never, ever see down there and they were just, they were there like they would be in Africa or something. They found frozen palm leaves under the ice near the South Pole. Here's an article telling about 400 miles from the... And south all of this is reference what he's bringing up here. And this one says, scientists have reported discovering the first set of dinosaur fossils ever to be found in the interior of Antarctica. The fossils are said to be the remains of a plant-eating dinosaur that was 25 to 30 feet long. Okay, we don't, we don't, again, we don't have animals that big, probably, well, 25 to 30 feet long on the earth today. I mean, I, you can say some of the whales and stuff, but as far as a plant-eating dinosaur, we don't have those just roaming around. And they, they said they lived 200 million years ago, of course, of course. What y'all just call the early Jurassic period. Um... And, the, and they were actually, the bones are spotted in a small section of exposed rock alongside the mountain, which lies about 400 miles from the South Pole, not very far away. Okay, what is a dinosaur doing that close to the South Pole? If the environment wasn't very different, it couldn't have lived down there, in other words. South Pole, they find dinosaur footprints. <coughs> and dinosaurs. Huh. <clears throat> and thousands of well-preserved leaves found in Antarctica. What happened? 250 miles from the South Pole, they find frozen leaves in the side of a cliff. There are no trees there, none, zero. This article talks about the discovery of these leaves. They have their original cellular content. These leaves are not fossilized. They're still leaves. Up in Alaska, they found dinosaur bones and dinosaur tracks in Alaska. It's cold in Alaska. Actually, there's a good book uh, by some guys who went up to northern Alaska and found frozen dinosaur bones, not even fossilized. He's showing the actual either newspaper clippings or scientific reports. It's all referenced. This isn't the stuff he's just he's making up here. Called the Great Alaska Dinosaur Adventure. A great Alaskan Adventure or something like that. We can get it through our bookstore. But uh, frozen dinosaur bones, not even, not even fossilized? Hmm. Well, <clears throat> we cover more on that in video number seven. The Earth actually has two North Poles. We have what's called the geographic... And again, he goes into a lot of these different topics much, much more in depth. Okay, if, if you get like his full series of tapes and stuff. I'm just touching the surface here. So you might have a lot of questions about some of the things that we're talking about here. But again, I would encourage you to watch the tapes. And if you want to, you can go up online. They're all on YouTube. And, and just if you want to just key on the pre-flood stuff, the dinosaur stuff, he's got tons about that. Okay, where he gets into depth on these subjects. North Pole, we spin around that one. And we have a magnetic North Pole up here in Canada. Your compass points to the magnetic North Pole. Now here in Florida, it doesn't affect us because we're pretty much straight. So the magnetic North Pole and the true North Pole are two different spots. They're, they're I don't know, how far away. They're, 
if it's a thousand miles or five hundred, I'm not sure, but it's it's a good distance. Bye. But if you live in Alaska, there's quite a difference. Pilots have to really watch for this angle of declination uh, because the North Pole is not really the North Pole. So the angle of declination is the difference between the, the actual real North Pole and the magnetic North Pole. They have to allow how many degrees to, to change their navigation based upon, you know, because it's pointing magnetic north, not geographic north. It appears that the Ice Age, you can look at the map here, it appears that the Ice Age is centered around the magnetic North Pole. There was more ice in America than there was in Russia, for instance. The Ice Age effects came down further. Here's what I think happened. The mammoths were up there chomping on their tropical flowers, enjoying a wonderful meal. Okay, and remember, they were, they were chomping on their tropical flowers up in the North Pole because the environment was, a, was totally different than it was now. And all of a sudden it began to snow. They had never seen snow before. So one of them said, Herman, this is peculiar weather we got going on here. Let's get out of here. They started running around. And the snow got deeper and deeper, and pretty soon they ended up in snow so deep they couldn't even fall over. How many of you have ever been in snow so deep you couldn't fall down? You don't get that in Florida much, but you guys do in South Dakota, don't you? And the mammoths ended up standing up, suffocating in 300 below zero, super cold snow. They froze in five hours under those conditions. Because a large chunk of meat takes a long time to freeze. You ladies know if you freeze or thaw out a large turkey or something, it takes... Okay, and again, this is the whole reason I played this video. This is so important because they're finding the same things right now in Antarctica, but they're not using this explanation of Ken Hoven to explain it. They're not really giving you any real explanation other than their New Age gobbledygook or whatever. It happened 8 billion... See, when, when you say something happened, you know thousands and thousands or millions or a hundred thousand years ago anything could who knows but when you start to try to put this into a biblical timeline it becomes much harder for the new agers for the quote scientists to explain it okay 24 hours to freeze or thaw 12 inches well the mammals are found frozen so quickly the food in their stomach is still green still recognizable it didn't keep digesting after they died it's still green in their stomach. The mammoths that they're found finding that were standing up. And I'm not saying this is this just happened in Antarctica. They've been finding these these um carcasses for a long time. He's he's giving you documentation. But they flash froze. The point is they flash froze so quickly that they are still finding the green food in the stomach of the woolly mammoths. That's how quickly they flash froze. They didn't even have time because the digestive juices will keep working. Okay. But if you freeze everything at once, if you flash froze it, the digestive juices wouldn't work anymore because it'd be frozen. This would go spreading out across the countryside. It would leave behind scratches in the rock like you see in Kelly's Island, Ohio, or all across Indiana or Illinois. There are glacial grooves. Yes, there actually was an ice age. But it wasn't millions of years ago. I think it was triggered at the time of the flood. There are basically two theories about the Ice Age among creationists. One theory says the flood caused the Ice Age. My theory says the Ice Age caused the flood. Very similar. I think the Ice Age started, actually caused the flood to start. I don't think you're going to explain five million mammoths perishing at one time if the Ice Age came after the flood because mammoths are a little slow reproducing. You know, it takes a couple years to have a baby mammoth, okay? And to get five million of them is going to take a long time. 
So I think the Ice Age had to come in, in, and trigger the flood. Then the ice would still last for a few hundred years afterwards, but probably that was the trigger. So the Earth had these big cold spots. Cold air hits warm air, causes it to rain. It rained 40 days and 40 nights. The canopy that used to protect the Earth collapsed, and everybody drowned. Okay, so that's the canopy that used to protect the Earth. That I that I was talking about earlier that was that would be I believe the source for the double atmospheric pressure and the double oxygen content it kept, it kept everything inside and it also filtered out the harmful UV radiations what caused these the people and the animals and the plants to grow you know so much bigger and live so much longer and have so much more you know obviously longevity. Bible says the fountains of the deep broke open. I think because of the impact, or maybe because of the weight of the, of the Earth, or the changing in the tilt, or just the near miss of a comet, just a, something going by, the gravitational tug would flex the crust of the Earth, causing it to crack. Several things could have happened, releasing the fountains of the deep. If you get the book of Jasher, we sell it in our uh, bookstore. I don't know that this is the one mentioned in the Bible, okay? There's a book of Jasher and a book of Enoch, Jasher chapter 6. On that day, the Lord caused the whole Earth to shake. And the sun darkened, and the foundations of the earth raged, and the whole earth was moved violently. <clears throat> and the lightning flashed, and the thunder roared, and all the foundations of the earth were broken up. Which is essentially what the Bible says. I mean, it's, this is a little more descriptive. Fascinating book to read. If you want to get the book of Jasher, it's like ten bucks in our bookstore. But uh, I think this is another description of what happened at the time of the flood. The earth actually broke apart. Something caused it. Walt Brown says the earth was stretched, you know, over the water, I agree, but he doesn't have a mechanism. And I talked to him about it. I said, what caused the earth to crack? He said, I don't know. It just did. Well, maybe so. But I think, you know, outer space meteor strike is one possible solution to that. So, this dump of ice on the poles caused the earth to crack. That released the fountains of the deep. The rapidly spreading ice caused the ice age effects. It caused the burial of the mammoths. It made the earth wobble for a few thousand years. And it made the pre-flood canopy collapse. It rained 40 days and 40 nights, and the earth was completely covered by water. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 7, all the high hills under the whole heaven were covered. This is not a local flood. When I debated Hugh Ross on the John Ankerberg show for three hours, you know, I said, Dr. Ross, do you believe in a universal flood? No, I said, do you believe in a worldwide flood? He said, I believe in a universal flood. Now, I know what he really believes, and I thought that was a dis You could have still had ice at the poles and have the whole world covered by flood, the flood, because I'm, I'm trying to think about this. You could have still had that. You have it now, don't you? You have ice at the poles, and you have most of the world covered by water. Okay, so I'm, I'm trying to think the mechanism by which, okay, how are, the, how are the mammoths preserved if the whole world's covered by water? Okay, well, you, if, if that canopy was broken up and it was super cold at the poles now, you could still have 40 days and 40 nights of rain, and that could just be adding to the ice that's already on top of them, which would have also crushed everything down just from the sheer weight of it all, to a certain extent, which is what they're discovering now in Antarctica. They, said, they even said in there with that exchange, they're like, everything was basically crushed down. A lot of the stuff was destroyed. Okay, well, that would explain it. Yeah, if you have 100 feet of ice above you or something, and that's a lot of weight. So that's, that's another thing to think about. I'm trying to make have this make sense for you all biblically um, so we can understand this better. Beatful answer. I said, what do you mean a universal flood? He said, well, it flooded Noah's little universe, which was the valley that he lived in. <laughs> there was no reason to flood the whole world, he says, because, you know, why kill the penguins? They didn't do anything wrong. Well, that sounds good, but it's not scriptural, Okay. The Bible says the hills were covered. The whole mountains were covered. Amen. If you shrank the earth down to the size of this 12-inch globe, 
all the water in the oceans would not even fill a tablespoon at this scale. I mean, I flew back over to Pacific. I told one of the guys in my office, I said, man, the Pacific Ocean is huge. And he said, oh, that's just the top of it. <laughs> <laughs> that's quite a thought. But even though these, there's huge amounts of water on this planet, when you shrink it down to this scale, it won't even fill a tablespoon. Three miles of water spread over the uh, world is thinner than the paper on this globe at this scale. This is 8,000 miles across the Earth. So he's holding up a, like a 12-inch globe to show you, you know, to get, so you can get a concept of that. Three miles compared to 8,000 is nothing. And if you smoothed out the Earth right now, if you just smoothed it out, push the mountains down, lift the oceans up, level everything out, there's enough water out there right now to cover the Earth a mile and a half deep. Wow. Everywhere. Wow. People say, where'd all the water from the flood go? Oh, it's still here. It's gathered into big puddles called oceans. The water's still here from that flood. Well, and also, these reservoirs that broke up, these fountains of the deep, may have been refilled then. Maybe the water that was there went back into these reservoirs. Uh, as the waters, the Bible says that the waters assuaged. They, they basically, okay, once the 40 days was over, 40 days of 40 nights of rain, the fountains of the deep breaking up, the waters assuaged, and that was when the flood finally finally um, found its home on the mountains of Ararat in Turkey. Okay, that's what the Bible says. That, that that's where they were, where the, the Noah's flood, Noah's ark, and there's been a lot of people that have said they found it, you know. Ron Wyatt and, and other people, which one, I, I'm not 100% sure. But um, uh, that's where the ark, as the waters, is, well, I kind of think that the waters you know, went back into a lot of these big reservoirs that broke up pre-flood. And, and, um, to a certain extent at least, you know. And then a lot of that water still on the earth today in the form of oceans, like uh, Ken Hoven was saying. So, okay, I hope you've kind of got a, a grip on that now. Again, if you don't, go back, get his tapes, listen to particularly the presentations he's done on like the flood and all of those things because he, he does hours of this stuff okay really 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 interesting stuff here and he's one of the only ones that have ever explained this and i thank god that i listened to them prior to this because if i had not listened to them many years ago i would have been at li a little bit of a loss when i read this thing about okay they're all flattened, crushed, or knocked down by by an event that flash froze the area. Now, this is these are the these are the basically the New Agers talking. They have tons of trees, plants, and wildlife frozen in place, like they were put on pause. They're also finding many pre-Adamite bodies. Okay, they're trying to convince you though this happened like thousands, way, 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 way longer than than some kind of six thousand year period. Okay. Um. All right, let's see where we're at here. Um, okay, now let's go further. Um, this next report, and this just came out, call it serendipity or, or whatever, this came out literally uh, four days ago. And this is bought from a New Age source, okay? And this is one of the main New Age sources that is on the cutting edge of disclosure, and alien agenda so understand take it with a grain of salt here 
but I go to these sources so I can get the pulse of what is actually going on. They're the only ones right now, other than maybe Steve Quayle, who are reporting on the discoveries in, in Antarctica, okay? And they're kind of on the cutting edge of that. Now, this is entitled, Visit to Antarctica Confirms Discovery of Flash-Frozen Alien Civilization. And this starts out by saying, early in January 2017, the Secret Space Program whistleblower Corey Good, and I've played many of his excerpts, okay? I'm not saying I endorse Corey Good. Okay, I'm telling you, this is what he's saying, and this is going to further expand what we already read you on that exchange above. Okay, Secret Space Program whistleblower Corey Good says he was taken to Antarctica to witness the first scientific excavations of ruins from an ancient flash-frozen civilization buried under two miles of ice. Now, remember, like I said, he said, even Dr. Hovind said, if you took, if you flattened the whole Earth out, took all the mountain ranges and all the stuff, and you just make, made it all flat, you would, you'd have a mile and a half of water above you? Because the average depth of the ocean is like, if you take all the reasons, it's like 20,000 feet or something, average depth. So if you flatten all the land out, water would cover the whole earth to about a mile and a half, which would be, what, 7,500 feet, thereabouts, 8,000 feet, I don't know. Okay, that's if you flatten out all the land. Water would cover the whole earth, okay? So I could understand how you could have a flash-frozen civilization buried under two miles of ice at the poles. While the discovery of the ruins date back to the first Nazi German expedition in 1939, according to Good. Now here we get confirmation of the first Nazi German. When did the Nazis first go down to the South Pole? Well, according to them, uh, according to the Nazi... Um, what they've admitted to it was 1939 see before hitler before even the war got started hitler was was sending all of his all of his occult henchmen out into the world to just find every kind of occult mystery missing piece of the puzzle he was searching after the what they call the sword of longinus which was the sword that supposedly pierced jesus christ from the roman centurion when the blood and the water came out and supposedly whoever held the sword of Longinus, or the, the, the uh, spear of Longinus, and it was the spearhead they were looking for, because I guess, I'm, I imagine the wood would have rotted off a long time ago, but whoever possessed this spear, it was supposed, supposedly could, would, would never, couldn't lose in a war. So that was a big reason he wanted it. He, he was sending people to India, and this is where they got the Nazi swastika, because a swastika is actually a, a Hindu um, symbol. What the Nazis did is they reversed it and then incorporated it into their logo, the swastika. That's how they got it. It's a knockoff of, of, of the uh, Hindus, Hinduism, um, or Buddhists, I don't know. Hindu, Buddhist, I don't know. I'm a little confused on that. But that's where they got that. They also went down to the North Pole, or the South Pole in 1939, it is only, back to the report, it is only since 2002 that excavations by archaeologists and other scientists have been allowed. Why, I don't know. The archaeologists have allegedly prepared documentary films and academic papers whose release will astound the scientific community. Now, remember something. This is the stuff that they're going to start rolling out that is going to absolutely shake 
the foundation. If you're not group, if you're not grounded and rooted in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the solid rock of Christ Jesus, and in the Word of God, this is the stuff that is going to absolutely rock your foundation. Okay, and if you're not educated in any of what I'm telling you right now, and all of a sudden this is foisted upon you. You're either going to have to ignore it or you're going to have to have some kind of explanation for it. And like I said, man, he's gonna, the Bible says he's going to shake, the, shake everything that can be shaken. So that that which cannot be shaken will remain. This is part of the shaking that God is going to allow to happen. This is part of the strong delusion that God said he was going to send in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Archaeologists have allegedly prepared documentary films and academic papers whose release will astound the scientific community. What, what are the Christians going to do? Here's another thing they said they're going to do. Here's what the aliens said they're going to do to the abductees. They're like, listen, and I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. They tell the abductee victims so much of the time, listen, this whole thing with Jesus and the crucifixion and him dying for your sins, that never happened. He was one of us. He's an ascended master, one of the lower ones. But everything about Jesus has been blown out of proportion. Your Bible's all wrong. It got it all wrong. We've actually got footage of Jesus Christ actually didn't get crucified. He was actually, and again, how that scenario is going to play out, it may be the whole thing about the Da Vinci Code. I've done whole studies on that exposing it where Jesus never was crucified. He actually escaped Jerusalem. Him and his concubine, which became his wife, I guess, Mary Magdalene, okay, who was the harlot that got saved, okay, praise God, she got saved. That was his, that was his wife. And they were whisked away from Jerusalem and started the Merovingian bloodline, which is one of the main bloodlines of the Illuminati. And they went up into the, into the East European regions. And Mary is actually the Holy Grail. What do you mean? Well, that's what the Da Vinci Code tried to con everybody into believing. And this is disgusting, but I'll say this. What they mean by that is that when everybody was searching for the Holy Grail, what they really were searching for was Mary's body because she was the receptacle of the seed of Jesus Christ and bore his children. That is the blasphemous garbage that Hollywood is trying to shove down our throat via the Merovingian bloodline, which is a bloodline of the Illuminati, but it's not Jesus Christ's bloodline. It's just a lie from the pit of hell, is what it is. But supposedly this royal bloodline, Mary was the Holy Grail. Okay, I know I'm going all over the place today, but a lot of this stuff is all tied together, and I have done studies on all of this. The Da Vinci Code, there was another one that I did, just... Key and Da Vinci, you'll, you'll see a lot of the... I actually watched that blasphemous movie the other day. I never watched it before. I'm like, I want. I really wonder... I mean, I did a study, and yeah, I know the plot line, but I want to see the full measure of this disgusting... Oh, my word. It was, it was stinking horrible. It's horrible. Blasphemous to the nth degree. I mean, you talk about these people with no fear of God, man. I mean, they are pure evil. Anyway, um, ugh, it was horrible. What I'm waiting for is when the academic papers and the documentary films 
and then when the aliens make their big debut, they're gonna they're gonna show us the true path. Jesus was never look. We have actually film of this. He was never crucified. He was just a lesser ascended master. You've based your whole faith on a lie. He didn't die for your sin. They're gonna key on that too, because that's all they really care about. All the other religions are all basically on their way to hell anyway. The Buddhists, the Hindus, the Zoroastrians, all of these other isms, they're works-based. They're all based on works. Okay? Whereas Jesus Christ died for our sins. You're saved by grace through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's what the Bible says. Not saying you just live like the devil once you get saved. Because if you do, that's evidence you're not saved. Okay, but I've covered that before. If, if you don't understand about salvation, go to contendingfortruth.com. There's a little link at the top called True Salvation. Listen to all those teachings in that order. Walk you through everything. Okay. Um, anyway, this is just so important because, like, let's say this is the last study I'm ever allowed to do. And this stuff happens in the future. At least you will have this information and all of the other teachings that I've done so that you are armed and equipped hopefully for the deception that's coming i'm not saying that i know everything and this is the totality of it but i think we've got a nice big chunk of it at this point i think we've got a really nice big chunk of what's coming at us in december 2011 2016 update Corey good described how he had been earlier made aware of the antarctica excavations from multiple sources and then had the ex now remember Corey good is one of the the ones that was in the secret space program supposedly and has interacted with the inner earth alien civilizations that are supposedly human-like but not uh, it's just it's a mess okay um but he is at the absolute forefront of this information. So it's not like I can just sit back and ignore all that he's saying. I said, oh, he's saying his bunk. The guy is, is their main mouthpiece, okay? So I'm trying to keep my finger on the pulse of what's going on here. And he's pretty much at the, at the very zenith spear tip of this, okay? So in other words, if we look at what Corey Good's saying, we're probably going to find out very, very much what the actual essence of the coming deception is going to be. That's why I'm covering this, so that we're not deceived. Okay, Good describes how he had been earlier made aware of the Antarctica excavations from multiple sources and that he had excavations also revealed to him by a senior officer within a US, United States Air Force-led secret space program he dubbed Sigmund. Sigmund led a covert mission involving multiple abductions and debriefings of Corey Good, who was being tested for the fidelity of the information that he knew. I've actually listened to these audios. I'm not telling you to listen to them, but I've actually listened to the audios just to kind of get an understanding of what has happened to him and how he's acquired this information. After, And that's what I like about this report right now. It summarizes everything. Okay. Instead of me having to play you 49 audio clips, this summarizes it. After being satisfied about the accuracy of goods information and sources, Sigmund unexpectedly shared some of his knowledge about the Antarctica excavations. It involved a civilization, meaning what they uncovered underneath the 200 feet of ice, involved a civilization led by 10 to 12 foot tall pre-Adamites 
pre-Adamites. Why don't... Why would they use that term? Hmm. Maybe it's to totally try to throw the Bible under the bus and discredit the Bible and to get us all to buy into the gap theory and into the pre-Adamite civilization, meaning there was men before Adam, even though that would totally contradict what the Word of God says? Huh. Why would they use that terminology if they weren't trying to target Christianity is what I'm saying. 10 to 12 foot tall pre-Adamites. No. They were the giants of Genesis 6. Okay? That's what they were. They were the ones that were flash frozen at the North and the South Poles or near those regions during the flood when those regions were not Arctic, which is exactly what Ken Hovind just uh, covered. You see why this is so important? Because this is going to be part of their deception. They're going to try to convince us of, of there were pre-Adamites, 10 to 12 foot tall. And guess what? They had elongated skulls, which is also a sign they were Nephilim. Because they've got all kinds of skulls in Peru. You can go see to this day the Paraca skulls. They're elongated. And their DNA is not human. It's part human. But then again, the Nephilim were part human. They were part woman and part fallen angel elongated skulls which is one of the main attributes you'll see of these godlike nephilim that would overrule man would would rule over man three oval shaped motherships about 30 miles in diameter were discovered nearby revealing that the pre-adamites were extraterrestrial in origin so again they're trying to get us to think prior to creationism pre-atomites of course if it was prior to creationism there'd be no world but anyway pre-atomites were of extraterrestrial origin no no they weren't actually they were nephilim the fallen angels came down saw women procreated with them and that's where these abominations stem from they weren't extraterrestrial in origin maybe they went to space maybe they developed that techno technology maybe they developed it during i'm sure they developed it during noah's day i mean these things were gigantic think of the cranial capacity they had who were their dads essentially fallen angels you think they might have imparted to them some wicked technology that's what the book of enoch says that they were doing with men and women or women in particular they were teaching them different things they were teaching men this and and it all ended up being wicked. They're smarter than us. Okay? They lived in heaven with God. Okay? They have more knowledge than us. We didn't have that. Okay? So, it's no wonder they could impart this type of, of thing things to humanity, if they so choose. Let's go further here. They were discovered nearby, revealing uh, these 30 mile motherships and again what if they really do have 30 mile motherships what if these start appearing over cities in america i'm not saying these motherships i'm saying they've already got them think that's going to shake some people's faiths do you know how many times that has been depicted in sci-fi movies where you have these gigantic motherships coming over cities and literally darkening the whole city like new york that concept has been shoved down our throats over and over and over again. And that's just one concept. And all of this is to basically get you to, 
to, to basically lay down your Bible and give up, curl up in a fetal position and say, my Bible didn't talk about this. If there was really a God, how could he let all this happen? And I'm telling you, this is the backbone of the coming deception that we're going to be facing. Oh man, this is so important. Three oval shaped motherships about 30 miles in diameter were discovered nearby revealing that the pre-adamites were extraterrestrial in origin i just explained debunked that and had arrived on earth about 55,000 years ago garbage this was during noah's day this was during genesis 6 okay this wasn't no 55,000 years ago but see they love to throw out these big numbers because they figure the reader's looking at that saying well anything could happen in 55,000 years but if it was like 4,000, uh, that'd be tough. That'd be a lot tougher to explain. Yep. One of the three ships had been excavated and found to have many smaller spacecraft inside. The pre-Adamite civilization, at least that portion of it based in Antarctica, had been flash frozen in a cataclysmic event that had occurred roughly 12,000 years ago. No, it was more likely about four. Okay, my math may be off a little bit there on Noah's flood, but you know what I'm talking about here. They're admitting that it is a cataclysmic event and everything had been flash frozen. We just, Ken Hovind just explained to you how that actually happened. He's the only person that I know from a biblical standpoint that I believe has done that. Now, there may be others out there, and I don't want to discredit, but I, I'm not aware of them, okay? I think Ken Hovind did as good a job as anybody regarding that he's the only one i've really ever heard put out those theories on actually what happened at the time of noah's flood on the canopy on why the the um why humans could live to be 900 plus years okay why were why did we have dinosaurs and we don't have them now because the lung capacity after the flood they couldn't handle it. Their, their lungs were not built their lungs were built to deal with double atmospheric pressure double oxygen they couldn't get enough oxygen to their tissues. They were too big, or if they, if they grew to a certain size, they couldn't probably get any bigger. They couldn't thrive. A lot of those species that we had pre-flood were designed for the pre-flood environment, and they could not live in a post-flood environment, in other words, is the point I'm trying to make here. Okay, so that's the reason. Um okay let's go further here good has also been told by his context that the most advanced technologies and the remains of pre-adamites themselves have been removed from one archaeological site that will be made public now remember this is all going to be made public to destroy your faith ultimately this is all part of this soft disclosure that Corey good keeps talking about meaning they're probably not going to disclose everything at once. There's going to be a soft disclosure that lead, probably leads up to what they call a hard disclosure, where they where they just come right out with it. If, think about it. If these things were so all-powerful and, and so, like, let's say the reptilians and stuff, if they were so big and bad, why haven't they taken over? Why would they need, why would they need to worry about doing this in some kind of soft? Wouldn't they just come here and stomp us out and put us all in bondage and put us all in slavery? No, we've got to capitulate to them, I believe. We've got to give them permission to rule over us. And they've got to set all of this, just like a vampire coming to your front door, and, you, and he can't get in unless you invite him in. 
They've got to set you up mentally so that you'll invite these devils in because you think you got no hope of fighting against them. And I'm telling you, you do. A Christian is the only one that has any hope of really over overcoming these devils and fighting them and defeating them. They're the only ones. We're the only ones that have the equipment to do it. And I don't mean a 50 cal. Okay? I'm talking about the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I'm talking about the full armor of God. I'm talking about the power of the Holy Spirit and his angelic host. So that's what I'm talking about. There are more with us than there are with them. I just read another Bible verse about that in Psalms yesterday. And the, the, the vision in Ezekiel where he, has, he opens the eyes. Or I'm sorry, Elijah. And he opens the eyes and let him see how many are actually with us. And he sees all the angels that are with them. That's what we need to focus on. Okay? God is greater. Call upon me and I'll answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Okay? That's what it's about. Um, let's go further here. Okay, so they the the... the they're saying that the most advanced technologies and the remains of the pre-atomites themselves have been removed from one archaeological site that will, will be made public. So in other words, they're not just going to show everything right off the bat. They're going to show some, you know, but it's not going to be everything right off the bat, most likely. Teams of archaeologists have been working with what is left and told to keep secret with what else they have seen. Okay, now, I'm going to go into next... Um, Remember what I talked about in the gap theory earlier? I just kind of give you a cursory thing. I'm going to do now a very, very quick pre-Adamic man theory debunked part, okay? This is, this is just a cliff note version, okay? I give you the links here where you can research all of this much further, okay? But understand the pre-Adamic man theory is integrally yoked up with the gap theory, which is, which is basically given to us to destroy your faith okay that's where it's why it's being done ultimately where you will buy into this garbage and then follow along with whatever uh the antichrist the false prophet are going to try to shove down our throat in the in the future okay so i'm going to end part two here and we will go to part three where i'll talk about that next